Welcome everybody to the R&R CatCast, a fan-based podcast focusing on Montana State Athletics. We're two dudes named Ryan from the state of Washington talking about our dear Montana State. We hope you enjoy it. Welcome back, Bobcat fans. It's time to put the regular season to bed and awake to playoff football. The Bobcats are primed to take on Albany in the second round of the playoffs. Thorny, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. It's time to put the past in the past. The Grizz game was amazing. I've been riding the high since then, but got to push it aside now and talk some playoff football. I'm excited to talk some playoffs. Yeah, I'm excited to put the Grizz game in the past as well. It feels like that I've had enough time to sit and digest it and revel in it. Uh, I'm excited for this weekend. Me too. It's going to be an exciting game, and we're going to talk quite a bit about it. That's pretty much the only <laughs> agenda of this episode. <laughs> we don't have a game to recap, but we will definitely get into a deep dive into Albany, the matchup that is Saturday. Sounds good. All right, let's go into a little show outline. We're going to lead off with our beers, and then we're going to talk some news. We don't have much news, but we'll we'll get into <laughs> the presser that Jeff Chilp put out earlier today. Uh, and then it's going to be all about Albany, Montana State, a little bit of scouting report on Albany, how they looked against Central Connecticut. Uh, we'll get you out with some golden koozie questions and a small order of buy or sell. Sounds great. I did try to procure an Albany media guy. I got a reference from Sam Herder of Hero Sports. Messaged the guy, never heard back. So I apologize. I tried. I tried in true Arnar Catcast passage. I sent one message and it never heard back again. So that was the extent of my trying. Well, if we can, if we win this weekend, I'll be, we'll, we'll reach out to whoever our second round or our second game is. If it's Sac State, we're getting Colin back on here. Colin Powers. Colin Powers of the Hornet House, host of the Hornet Hour. That's a <laughs> lot of H's. It's a lot of ho- horse sounds. Wait a second. Did he start a podcast called the Hornet Hour? No, that's what we told him to start. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm not sure he'll get there or not. I think he's thinking about it. <laughs> right on. All right, Thorny. What are you drinking tonight? All right. Well, first off, I do have that Costco beer advent calendar, so I I have to drink a beer like it's some sort of chore. I'm drinking a beer every day this month, basically, but (laughs) I didn't want that to ruin the tradition of me picking out beers because it's been working based on how I the name or whatever, how it feels. So I drank my advent calendar beer earlier in the day, and now I'm currently drinking a beer called, it's from the Old Schoolhouse Brewery, Rude Awakening, because I think Albany is in for a rude awakening. It is an IPA. It's 8% alcohol. It's from, like I said, the Old School House Brewery, which I'm looking all over the place. No idea. Oh, it's in Ballard. Nope, that's not, that was the wrong word. I have no idea where this is brewed. I think I've been there. It's Winthrop. Like, it's from Winthrop, Washington. Yep. yep, I've been in there. It's a pretty cool little brewery. We went there for spring break last year just for for a weekend. We took the family. Um, it's what they called mud season. So it was in between, uh, you know, their busy seasons of of winter, which they have quite a uh, They have extensive cross-country skiing. 
and in the summertime, um, the river's right there. It's a really pretty place, uh, but no one was there when we were there. But yeah, I spent uh, spent a night over there. We had some dinner in the in that brewery. It's a good night. It's a nice little place. Is that on your side of like the Leavenworth Highway? Yeah, it's like Central Washington esque. So it's it's hard to describe. It's pretty cool though. I really liked it. I, I'd definitely go back. It's not a bad IPA, but you know it's it's an IPA. Yeah. I I will tolerate it in the name of the Bobcats. <laughs> and I think you've had like four IPAs in the last four weeks. Well, it's unfortunate that number one, eighty percent of the micro brews on the store shelves out here are IPAs to begin with. But I've tried hard to find a beer of the name that I like that isn't an IPA. It's just not happening. So here we are. <laughs> <laughs> well, I. I made the trip back to Great Falls this past weekend, and it was Great Falls was just cold. It was single digits. We had about 16 inches of snow, and nowhere else, just besides north central Montana, just got hammered with snow. But uh, when I was there, I was able to pick up the Golden Bobcat Pale Ale from Jeremiah Johnson Brewing Company. It literally says Montana State University on top of the can. It's a 125th anniversary beer for Montana State. It's a pretty smooth pale ale. The only thing I wish is I wish I had a little bit more of a hot profile. I mean, you can't get much more Bobcat Ford beer than that. I like that. That is the ultimate decision. That's how are we going to possibly lose this game now? <laughs> Based on our beer consumption, which has a huge <laughs> influence on how the Bobcats perform. Oh, yeah. Especially you know, us being two states away, even more preposterous. <laughs> Are you going to be able to watch the game this weekend? Funny you say that. I was just informed, and I was also informed it's been on the calendar, that <laughs> my wife's work party is at 3 o'clock. And I think the game starts at, what, noon our time? Yep, on ESPN3. So I'll probably watch the first half, and that'll be it. So yep. it sucks, but it is what it is. I took the liberty of looking at the weather in Bozeman. It's supposed to be 38 that day. So it should be fairly decent weather to go to the game. I think it's been colder over in Albany than it has in Bozeman. <laughs> oh, I don't I count that, man. You know, you, of all people, should know that when you get co- or close to the coast, that humidity just is the stuff that just bites through your jacket, just goes straight to the, your bones, man. That's when I feel the coldest is when that moisture is in the air. I'm pretty sure Albany fits that. Dope. That's that is 100 percent true. It's way worse, way worse than any dry cold or dry heat out in Montana. <laughs> Hate it. All right, buddy. Hey, let's talk a little bit about the presser that came out this afternoon. So the my main takeaway, and this is kind of a just a continuation of things Jeff Choate has said all year. I was kind of on record last year on the podcast talking about I wasn't sure really how. Jeff Choate felt about this level of football if he didn't fully understand it or if he didn't really appreciate it or whatever. I don't remember exactly how I phrased things, but I think he uh, he completely 100% gets it now. I think North Dakota State was kind of what started it and just hearing him talk about how much he learned from the playoff run last year, how he's better this year with compartmentalizing things. It just, it's good to hear, and I think, I think he's finally kind of just fully grasped and understands and I'm just glad to hear him say stuff like that. So that's just my main takeaway from the from the press conference. I was really listening for how he was trying to prepare his players for the game or 
how like the pulse of the team right now. And everything I heard was encouraging. He said that that brought good energy to the practice today. They don't feel like they were really too high or too low. Um, he said they were still hungry. Uh, his quote, I hope we approach this game like we have our backs against the wall, because we do. It's win or go home, playoff football. Uh, that just made me, like, that, gave, they, that little nugget that he gave us gave me a little bit of, uh, it's not hope, it's not the word I'm looking for. It just gave, made me more comfortable. Because my biggest concern was, are the cats going to be drinking their own Kool-Aid right now? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's definitely a concern. I'm just worried that they're that we only play really good football when our back's against the wall, and our backs really aren't against the wall. You can talk yourself into thinking that, but and really, we're going to be favored pretty much by anybody, maybe outside of that certain part of New York where Albany is. Where so I think that's going to be a huge key, and I'm glad to hear that he's really trying to focus the team on playing like they are have their backs against the wall. Well, and another thing to think about, Ryan, is just like the story, the narrative that the Bobcats are crafting right now. I mean, all of a sudden we have an unprecedented win against the Grizzlies. We have we have this amazing November. They're just carving out this story. This this arc of the season is just going great right now. And now like these seniors, especially these Montana seniors, you know, they're the authors of this ending. And so it's up to them to leave this legacy that Montana State football could, you know, potentially go into this new ground. We could we could make history in the next month. How cool would it be for those guys? And I think most of them were freshmen redshirting under Rob Ash. So it's pretty crazy that you have these five guys that just, or not five, the guys that have stuck around for five years finally see kind of, the transition, the reboot, their commitment, dedication to, all right, we're going to put it all in for Jeff Choate, and here we are, the possibility of making the best playoff run we've made in our lifetime. Like, we've won one playoff game. We've never what won two in a row in one season since 84, right? I think we had the best chance to do that this year and to stamp that legacy. And, yeah, what a cool chapter that would be in the the book. And it's not like we can compare to anything. It's not like we have this history of making deep playoff runs that overshadow this season. This is all just brand new. And so it's something that we can enjoy in the moment. And then, like, you know, if if we continue to make this run, just really carve out a new, you know, a new story for the Bobcats. I like it. I agree. I'm excited. And that that was good to hear Jeff Joe talk about that kind of stuff. Was there anything else from the presser that uh, that you wanted to talk about? The only thing, um, maybe you heard better than me. I was kind of listening on and off at work. Was there any mention of any specific injuries? I know Jeff doesn't really talk about that. So did you get a sense that we're going to be healthy? Uh, Troy Anderson's going to be healthy. Afonso is going to be healthy. He, uh, no mentions that I can remember. All right. Well, I'm just going to assume that they are going to go, especially Isaiah and Afonso. I don't know if Tro- if Troy... Could play. Like, if he's not healthy, I'm not sure we need him again if we're going to play like we did against the Grizzlies. But that's neither here nor there. I'm just kind of getting a gauge on the health of the team. Yeah, that's tough. That's really tough to think about. I wonder if Troy is healthy or is he going to play on offense? I don't think so. I think 
I think having Isaiah Fonse back really takes the need to have Trey Anderson on offense, takes some of the pressure off to have a guy who's going to get that tough third and three because Afonso can do that himself. So I think that takes a lot of the pressure off Trey Anderson having to play on the offensive side of the ball. That's a good point. It seems like in in the year this year when Troy has run the ball, I mean, it takes him about six snaps, six to ten snaps to actually really break one, you know, deep. Maybe maybe even a 30-yard run. So he's going to get one of those within those six to ten snaps. A, a question to you, Ryan. Do you think it's worth those six to ten snaps for Troy to break one deep run? Not right now. Not not because he just seems, those six six snaps, he seems to tweak himself or get get some little ding or something on those offensive snaps. It almost seems he's more prone to get hurt on the offensive side of the ball. So for six snaps for him to have six carries for 60 yards and maybe a touchdown. I mean, a lot of those are going to be crucial conversions. That's really where he shines, but I'm just not so sure we need him at this juncture to be doing that. But I don't want to be dismissive of Albany or anything. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm just, we proved we have plenty of weapons this year and they only got better as the year went on. And I, I just don't know if we need him as a kind of that, emergency type situation right now. Well, Travis Johnson runs the same exact package that Troy does as well. So, and Travis has been doing a really good job with that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Except for uh, going against Bobby Houck's 100% game plan on stopping Wildcat quarterbacks. He didn't do so hot. <laughs> good thing for us that we have a lot more in the playbook than just that. Sorry, Bobby. <laughs> That's still funny. It just cracks me up. Anyway. All right. Hey, man. Uh, let's get into uh, let's get into the Albany-Central Connecticut game. I know you yes. have some stats for me. Yeah. So I was, th- I was thinking maybe I'll just kind of do the stats for that game, kind of like we do for our game. So a little bit, uh, real quick, if you don't know, Albany is the Great Danes. They play in the Colonial Athletic Conference. They Did they finish, like, tied for first or Third, or I'm not entirely sure how they finished. Albany was second in the conference behind James Madison, of course, which who they did not play. Um, so they played Central Connecticut Blue Devils, which was first, won the auto bid in, I don't know, is it the NEC, whatever partial scholarship conference they play in? Northeast, <laughs> Northeast Conference. Yeah. But they were 11 and one, and they had a lot of good statistical numbers. I was looking at them last week. They're like top 10 in a lot of categories. But level of competition proved to be exactly why they had such good numbers. As Albany won that game going away 42-14 to thanks to a 28-point outburst in the third quarter when the game was tied 7-7 to at halftime. Total yards are uh, Albany 404, 347 for CCSU. <laughs> That's not very fun to say. Central Connecticut. Uh, <laughs> looking at this, though. Both teams were actually atrocious on third down. They were combined three for 25 between the two teams on third down conversions. That's pretty bad. That's like makes the Bobcats look like we're pretty outstanding at that. Uh, passing was where is finally Albany finally started having success. We're in some sort of the RPO stuff. Uh, they threw for 304 yards on 19 of 30 attempts interception and six touchdowns, which I believe tied a FCS playoff record. Did I hear that? at some point today. Yep, that is correct. By Jeff Undercuffler, who is a freshman phenom for the Great Danes. He came alive in the second half and 
really that third quarter just is where things happen for them as they continue to shut down Central Connecticut State's attack as they only, like I said, only have mustered 347 yards for a team that had been scoring lots of points and lots of yards and only held them to 14 points. So really, it's kind of kind of like a, you, you would see like a good, you know, like a Norfolk State team type team, like obviously Central Connecticut's better, but come in and just play like a power big sky team. That's just kind of what you would expect this kind of game to be, no matter how good their record might be. Eventually just get over overmatched by a team with full scholarships and just some depth. So it's really, it was a close game at half and Albany ran away with it. Yeah, it was a weird game to watch. Central Connecticut was dominating the first, first half. I want to say dominating because they were, I mean, they went into halftime uh, tied up seven, seven, but they were definitely the stronger looking team. And then all of a sudden, undercuffler, that guy just came alive and he was just hitting strikes. I mean, he can throw the ball really well, especially over the middle. He, he had really good accuracy on the ball. I was really impressed by him. Yeah, that they must have really made some good halftime adjustments. I think Central Connecticut was really doing some things that might have really confused them and took away what they were wanting to do in the first half, as I don't think Albany even had a first down for like the first quarter and a half, right? Yeah, they were looking pretty poor. They were getting just completely shut down by Central Connecticut. That was one of those games that kind of reminded me of the when SEMO came in. Like, SEMO definitely looked like the upstart team that was playing well and we weren't playing very good, but you could just, I got that sense during that game, like, we're just going to take this game over at some point. And I kind of got that sense watching the this game. Like, Central Connecticut just didn't look big. They just, they just looked like a team that was eventually just going to just kind of collapse against a team like Albany and they, and they absolutely did. And the sieve just broke in the, in the third quarter. So I think depth and size really got down to him and Albany just kind of warmed down. And that's going to be one big thing. I think that Albany is going to struggle with when they come to Montana state. My gut takeaway when I watched this game was just the lackluster speed and size I saw between the both teams. And I, I came away with it thinking, I was like, man, the competition in the big sky is just greater. So when I, when I, when I think about this game, I don't want to discredit Albany or Central Connecticut, but it just didn't seem like they, you know, they would be kind of like akin to maybe a mid, a mid like tier team in the big sky is what kind of my gut was telling me. I find it really hard to gauge a game just watching one game on maybe not quite a stellar broadcast because a it was a frigid day games are always a little bit slower when it's like 15 degrees guys don't run as fast i mean central connecticut i thought looked pretty small i actually thought albany looked fairly stout and kind of looked at their roster and they do have some dudes they have some good size in certain key areas they're a little undersized and in a couple spots but overall i thought they had some pretty pretty darn good size so it's hard to tell how fast a game is on those conditions and just the size on TV, but under Cuffler definitely impressed. I thought their running back, uh, the bowling ball kid, <laughs> I don't have his name right in front of me. Dang it. It's a uh, Carl Mofer. Mofor. <laughs> Mofo. I hadn't actually tried to say that yet. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Mofor. <laughs> uh, five, eight, two twenty five. little wrecking ball. <laughs> I thought he looked pretty good, looked pretty stout. You could, And I watched the, I didn't catch all the second half. I watched some of the highlights. I saw the last touchdown Albany scored was by 
the Mofor kid and he bounced off a couple tackles and there was like one safety for central Connecticut who just like was watching his teammate try and tackle him. He just stood there. That's, that's the sign of a team that just has completely given up. They took their soul. I think Albany plays a lot of the same way that we do just kind of wear teams down, except they just kind of do it more maybe through the air instead of through the ground, but they're definitely built to last in a physical ball team. So they're going to present some problems. I think they're going to be scrappy at the very least. Oh, no doubt. My eye was trained on the trenches, and I, that's, that's where I just think the Montana State's going to have an advantage. I think we're nastier up front on defensive line, and I think our O-line is going to just be bigger and stronger than their defensive line. I do think that uh, they're, they weren't a team that gets the ball out as quickly as some of the other teams that have presented problems to us, so I think if they try and do that zone read RPO, if he holds on the two ball too long, uh, under Cuffler, that's going to present problems for this. So I do agree that our defensive line is probably going to be the best defensive line that they've seen, um, at least right up there with the teams that they've struggled with. And I think our offensive line, it's going to be hard. Like we struggled a lot with Sac State and a little bit with NAU, who both had smaller, more active fronts. And I kind of get this the sense uh, from Jeff Cho's press conference and looking at the roster, that's kind of how. Albany is, so I'm a little concerned their D-line, while not huge, is going to be shifting around, getting into our gaps, and kind of disrupting it in a, in a different way rather than just not being able to be pushed. They're just going to shoot the gap with their athleticism. If you look back at our offense during those games, we weren't pressing the edges like we are now. And so we were mainly running up you know, between the tackles. Uh, we have a little bit of a different game plan and a little different offensive identity right now. Tyrone Marshall. Yeah. I mean, that guy is just money lately. I mean, he's, he's amazing. Kind of like, yeah, we're going to go to the well on him until it doesn't work. I think the time of possession on this game is going to be big for us. If we can keep the ball in our hands, he's continuing to run it down their throats. I don't see under Cuffler and company really making a huge comeback. I mean, I just watched one game, right? So we don't really know well, what Albany's potential is. It just seems to me when I was watching it, we're just going to be more physical than Albany. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that statement. But, you know, it's hard to say. Like, as Jeff Cho says, like, you get nothing for being the most physical team last week, right? Like, so Albany could come in, punch us in the mouth, and it could be a case. I mean, that's what happens. That's what happened at Sac State. We were getting a little too big for our britches, so to speak. Sac State came in, popped us in the mouth, and we never really recovered. And that's exactly what we did to the Grizz. So, I mean, it's it's a, a team like Albany who was picked to finish. I, I've heard people say last. I thought I found they were picked pick, pick to finish like sixth. Either way, they were picked middle to bottom of the conference. And, you know, they're they're just stacked beer. They got nothing to lose. They're, they're not content. They're just playing with house money, if you will. And I think that's going to, teams like that are scary. They're going to come here and, and pull no punches. And that could be uh, something that mitigates the kind of the physical nature that we could impose on them that's a good point you know there's something to be said about playing last week maybe that bye week for the bobcats you know it could be a double-edged sword yeah there's always a theory you go back and forth on that like uh if you're on a roll sometimes taking that bye week off kind of just kind of disrupts your the flow like the mojo that you had been building and if you're on a roll and you get to keep playing maybe you don't get healthy but you just keep getting in that rhythm you never deviate from your your routine and that's something that's important as a routine in this game 
What's your take on how the Bobcats can win this game? My number one take, of course, was what we talked a lot a little bit about earlier. Can we keep that same energy and intensity in a game that we're favored in instead of a game that we're the underdogs in? I think that's gonna be a huge key. I think we have to get to undercuffler rattle the freshman quarterback in a the most hostile environment he'll have played and he may have played in bigger crowds, but it's gonna be nothing like the energy that's gonna be in Bobcat Stadium, even if there's only 11,000 fans there. Those are going to be the most 11,000 rabid Bobcat fans in Montana. Run the ball, of course. Uh, Albany has a pretty good rushing defense. I mean, right right in the middle. And they actually have faced a couple of good rushing opponents, but nothing like they'll see with the Bobcats. So, obviously, running the ball, having success running the ball, pretty no-brainer, but that's, that's what we do, and it's what we need to succeed. One thing that really jumped out to me, though, Albany is actually number two in the nation in fumbles recovered. They are really good at stripping the ball out and falling on the ball. So that's going to be a huge key because we've only fumbled five. I'm sorry. We fumbled by your and I count. I think we counted five times against the Grizz. I think the stat book said three. I don't think they counted two of them that went right out of bounds. <laughs> that's going to be absolutely huge. Ball security. Albany is something like negative seven in their turnover margin in their three FCS losses. Or is it two? I can't remember. Their FCS losses are like negative seven, where, you know, other than that, they're like 20-something in the country in turnover margin. Hmm. And we've only turned the ball over nine times all year, so that's clearly one of the biggest things is just ball security, win the turnover margin, take care of the ball, we win this game. I think that's going to be probably the single most important factor. Don't turn the ball over. Albany's a team that thrives on it. We definitely got to make undercuffler uncomfortable. That is my biggest key for this game. We got to get to him, pressure him, put him on the ground, uh, hit him anytime we can. Uh, one of the things they had success on was their receivers would get inside position on Central Connecticut's defensive backs. And the ESPN announcer kept pointing it out over and over again, almost laughing at it. He's like, again, you know, they got burned on the inside. You cannot get burned on the inside if you're Central Connecticut. I don't think that's going to be a problem with our secondary. It was really interesting watching the second half highlights of that game. Some of the big plays they were hitting. I was thinking in my head, like, has MSU given up a touchdown that looks like that at all this year? <laughs> like, maybe against Texas Tech. But, like, I just see those plays and the slant plays where the guy has, like, five yards of cushion and just takes it to the house. Like, we just don't give up those plays. That's a good so, point. I mean, the Cats have given up some some big plays through the air, but they're not touchdown plays. We've only ended up giving like 15 touchdowns through the air this year, and Jeff Undercuffler alone has thrown 39 touchdowns, which is a, a pretty damn impressive, number one in the country. But I think really the Bobcats can limit these kinds of plays. Maybe they'll get, I'm sure they'll get their yards, and, and the guys will get open and make some plays, but the way we play defense, we don't give up those wide-open, huge touchdown passes, or we don't give up the uncontested catches like that. Like They're not, they're not going to be just playing pitch and catch all day against the Bobcat defense. No, and Jeff Choate said it is critical for us not to give them any one look. And I think that's what Central Connecticut did. They didn't. They were giving the consistent look, and they were just able to pick them apart. And uh, Jeff Choate gave them props in his presser today, saying, hey, they identified it, and then they picked up on some tendencies, and they were able to exploit that. So it's going to be key for Montana State state in order to continue to mass coverages. What did you have as kind of your 
keys to victory that maybe we haven't mentioned yet? Well, I mentioned we got to get to undercuffler, and I think that's the biggest thing. But I also think we need to win time of possession and just be able to run the ball again. We are our dynamic play of just being able to hit the edges and then set up um, the zone read, just just attack like we did on UNC in the Grizzly game. And I think if we go out there with that game plan and, until they can stop it, you know, I don't feel like we're going to have to rely on Tucker Rovig to lead us to a victory. I feel like he's probably going to have to maybe like pass it, you know, 15 to 20 times in this game, you know, keep them honest. Again, maybe going back to setting up the pass to set up the run. Other than that, run the ball down their throats and just make Jeff Undercuffler feel like a true freshman back there. No, I think that's going to be a great game plan. So in your scouting, uh, we kind of talked about our keys here. Who should we be looking for? Who do you think is going to present some problems for the Bobcat defense besides Jeff Undercuffler? Well, that receiver, I believe it's, Jawan Green had two touchdowns from them for them uh, last game. I believe he has like 16 touchdowns on the season. He's a senior. The guy's just a stud. Uh, six foot, 187 pound speedster. I think that guy's going to be a key guy um, we're going to have to look out for. Yeah, he has 80 catches for 1,263 yards on the year for 16 touchdowns. Ooh. I feel like that's what they're going to want to do to us. They're going to try to beat us vertically. And that's something that's really interesting to me because, well, who was the last team that tried to beat us vertically? Would have been... NAU, uh, probably. Yeah, that's exactly who I was about to say. And uh, they got up on us early, uh, but we came back storming against them. So, I don't know. We I feel really... like we're a whole different ball club since NAU game. Just just how we play, approach it, the game. Yeah, I mean, our defense alone is just just way better. I mean... I, you and I don't talk enough about our defense and how legit they are. <laughs> I mean, just the nastiness we play up front and just the guys we have on the back end. I mean, we're going to look next season. We're going to look back on this season and think about, man, how good of a def- defense we had in 2019 because uh, it's a special crew. I think that the first-team defense, including field goals, has only given up like 41 points in the last five games dating back to the North Dakota game. Gosh, that's unreal. And that includes like 17 to UCD and, you know, 14 to the Grizz. So like 31 of that was the last two games, which honestly, if we hold Albany under 20, I very much like our chances to win that game. Yeah. All right, man. The other guy uh, on offense that I think is going to present some problems, uh, you mentioned the NAU game. They had success running the ball because we were selling out so far on getting not get beat deep that Joe Logan kind of had a field day. So they have a guy, Carl Mofor, that we just talked about. 5'8", 225. He has, he's leading the CAA with 100.3 yards per game, 1,200 total yards, nine touchdowns. He's a stud. He's a little bowling ball, and he's a physical running back. And I think, you know, they might just try and come out and just be more physical than us and just play some old school football. And I'm going to curious to see, curious to see how they're going to attack the Bobcat defense. And I think it starts with undercuffler, but if they try and pound the rock with us against us, uh, I don't know if they're going to have much success, even with a guy with his size. <laughs> Talk about pad level. You're going to have to get low to get that guy <laughs> on the ground. <laughs> you know, what's interesting about those little backs. They get lost in the line. You know, 
Uh, remember Demetrius Crawford? Oh yeah, of course. Oh man, he was one of my favorite running backs for the Cats. <laughs> and one of he, you would just like see him go into this, you know, the line. And you'd be like, "Where's he at?" And then he would just squirt out <laughs> and, and just use his speed and power. I mean, that kind of sounds like the guy you're talking about. Yeah, but uh, he only played about one eighty-five or one ninety tops. Yes, Mofor is only five eight, but two twenty-five. I saw the highlight, like I was telling him about. You, you can't miss the guy. He's a big. Just a big wide body out there. <laughs> Maybe if you're down the field, uh, you can still hide behind guys. He's only five eight, but yeah, he's thick. <laughs> Demetrius Crawford, Lorenzo Davis, those types of guys that we had, they were not thick by any stretch. They didn't have big body frames. No, no. Demetrius Crawford was one of the most like sculpted men I've ever seen. Holy cow. That guy's biceps were just impressive. Flipping over to the defensive side <laughs> of the ball, transitioning from that. <laughs> Speaking of sculpted, they do have some big dudes on the. They have two big guys uh, in their linebacking core. One, Eli Menser, is a finalist for the Buck Buchanan Award. So I'd be remiss if we don't talk about him a little bit. He's got 13 and a half. Oh, I'm sorry, this is defensive end. I'm sorry. Yeah, defensive end, 13 and a half sacks, broke the school record with that. He's forced five fumbles this year. He's a stud. He's a stud. He's a Richard senior, 6'1", 230. He's going to present some huge problems for us. He, I think Joe kind of compared him to a smaller George Obina. But a faster George Obina. Faster but smaller. That's kind of terrifying. <laughs> the question is, do they have a guy like Choates to compliment Eli Menzer? I'm not Ooh. sure they do. Yeah, that's a good point. We'll just run away from that guy. Yep. Game plan. Don't run at him. Run away from him. It's interesting to hear Jeff Cho also talk about they're one of the, perhaps the team that blitzes the least percentage-wise of all the teams they face this year. So you kind of wonder, or if they're going to sit back there and try and uh, keep things in front of them, what's, how are they going to stop us from getting five yards to carry? <laughs> That's what I'm saying, man. This, I mean, I think our old line is going to have a heyday. Like, I don't want to, like, you know me. I never try to get too high, too low on this, but that's that's really just what my gut's been telling me is that we're going to win this and it's going to be in the trenches. Yeah, I feel like the game plan is going to be awfully similar to the Grizz game because they had some stud linebackers who were good at crashing down and killing you in a traditional running game, and then we just went right away from them to attack the edges, make the, made them run sideline and sideline. I don't see why we don't try and just do the exact same thing against these guys. I, I bet you we we um, pull out that same game plan. I mean, our offense has looked legit in the last couple of games, and let's just keep it going. All right. Well, is there anything else you want to talk about with with Albany? No. Uh, I wish them a you know safe travel as they come over two thousand five hundred miles from New York, and I I I'm just always excited for teams to come to Bozeman, uh, especially in a playoff setting, to get to receive what a real legit FCS stadium crowd it's going to look like and sound like it's going to be a good trip for them. That's one of my favorite kind of like hobbies is to follow a Twitter account of the team that comes out here. A lot of them will like kind of post pictures and post themselves going to like a little touristy stuff. And I don't know, it's, it's, it's fun to see other te- guys who would never come to a Montana in a million years, just kind of experience Montana. It's kind of, it's kind of cool. Right on, man. Okay, so you want to move on from the Albany game? Yeah, let's do that. Uh, 
We don't do predictions, so there you go. That's our analysis. Do you want to move into our buyer sell, or do you uh, want to talk that golden cruising question we have? Well, before we do both of those, let's go into a bold prediction. We don't do predictions, but we do do bold predictions. Which is kind of funny. We don't do regular predictions. We do super bold ones instead. <laughs> I have one, Thorny. I'll start off. I, I'm, I'm assuming you don't have one, so I'll give you some time to think. <laughs> <laughs> you know me way too well. Uh, I thought about this for a while, and I, went, I was waffling. and went back and forth on it. I'm going to go with it. I really think we're going to do a pick six on Undercuffler. I knew it. I knew it was going to be a defensive touchdown. I love it, man. I love my defensive touchdowns. I've been waiting all year for one. I think this is the week we get one. Well, Albany has had four this year. So they're they're doing a good job about it. We have zero, right? I don't think we have scored a single one. Man, if it's uh and if it's Damian Washington, that'd be even the cherry on top. I mean, he had one called back back in Oh, who did we play then? When we uh that was that game. Yeah, I remember. I, I can't remember uh, the game either, but yeah, a nice, really nice return. It was a crazy I think it was UC Davis, wasn't it? Oh no. It's that one where our team had to walk like a mile to get to the stadium. It was Western like, Illinois. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you're yeah, right. I was like, I knew it was an away game. Yeah, that was a crazy return. Just kept rumbling, bumbling, and nope, coming back. Yeah. Well, you know, he actually caught it, which was an improvement. <laughs> we kind of rally, or we kind of uh, put uh, Damian underneath the bus last weekend with his uh, for sure pick, and he couldn't hold on to it. He was catching the ball like my five-year-old son catches the ball, you know, just tries to trap it against the body. You got to use your hands, Damien. That's what they're there for, buddy. Soft hands. Come on. Yep, I agree. (laughs) He'll get there eventually. Uh, Four sacks by the Bobcat defense. Yes, I can see it. I can see it. I'm thinking we're going to get more. Come on. I don't know. We, we, if if they get the ball out quickly, we struggle with that. It's such an un undertold part of our defense. We don't exactly get to the quarterback all the time, but we make quarterbacks so uncomfortable. Like it's that I don't know, it was a few episodes ago where we were talking about how teams always seem to have like weird drops and stuff against us. And like that's just it's at some point it's not a coincidence anymore. So I think but this time it'll convert into sacks. I think we've got four sacks. I was really close to picking Tuckerovic throwing two touchdown passes, but I'm gonna go with my four sack one instead. Nice. It's it's interesting because Albany has no familiarity with us like the other Big Sky teams do. So it's going to be interesting to see how they come out just watching the film. Like all these all these guys do is run the ball, so all we got to do is stop the run. And so that's why I'm thinking like uh, Roving makes a couple throws, and I don't know. But even if I don't know, I don't think it's going to happen. Still, <laughs> two touchdowns is a tall task for us. Passing touchdowns. It's a good point. It is a good point. I don't think Tuckerovic has thrown a touchdown pass in the last couple games. I don't, I'm not sure. It's been a while, but he hasn't thrown any interceptions either. Yeah. All right, Thorny, are you ready for some buy or sell, buddy? Let's do it. All right, I got a couple of them. One of them's on football uh, and a couple that are not. Thorny, buy or sell. Thanksgiving ham over Thanksgiving turkey. I will buy it. I always We always do turkey, but I prefer ham. It doesn't dry out as easily, and it just overall tastes better. Okay. Buying ham. Or... Nice. <laughs> I never uh... remember how the questions are phrased <laughs> by the time I'm done rambling. 
All right. Well, you can always ask me. That's why you got me. <laughs> All right. Uh, buy or sell number two. I enjoy Thanksgiving leftovers more than first helpings. I'm going to sell that. They don't taste as good. And I know it's an unpopular opinion, perhaps, but they taste better fresh and gravy is nasty heated up. So I'm buying or I'm selling leftovers are better than fresh. First helpings. I like how I phrase that one. I love, no, okay. I almost want to go back and change my answer because leftover turkey sandwiches like on rolls are freaking amazing, but I'm going to stick with ham. And now you're, fresh. Now you're mixing, yeah, now you're mixing two I'm almost talking myself out of it. I'm just saying like leftovers are delicious when it's turkey. It's almost worth having turkey over ham because leftover turkey is better for sandwiches. Next question. <laughs> this is the content you guys come for, right? Oh, I don't I, you Okay. Uh, next question. <laughs> Buy or sell. Chote will have the team mentally ready to play the game. Buying that all day long. I just, I think that the last three games have shown that we all, that we're doing the full four quarters now. It doesn't matter for the underdog, the favorite. I think the team's focused now. Always that mental toughness you were talking about. I think we're there. I think we're good. Okay. Uh, my wife helped me with this last one. By ourselves, having a Christmas tree up by Thanksgiving. I'm selling anything Christmas related by Thanksgiving, period. Music, Christmas trees, decorations. Ugh, selling it hard. <laughs> All right, Scrooge. <laughs> I'm a little bit of a Scrooge. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> That's like a visceral reaction from you right there. <laughs> Holy cow. All right. I do have my my wife at least has the courtesy now. She knows that she has to wait till Black Friday before she starts playing Christmas music. Ryan, do you have your Christmas tree up right now? Hell no. I don't even have one. I haven't even thought about where to buy one yet. Okay. All right. You're off the hot seat, Ryan. (laughs) Buy yourself fully Thanksgiving ham or Thanksgiving turkey. I'm going to buy the ham, a spiral cut ham. I just, I just like, I just think it's better. It's better second day as well. Uh, just all the little ham bits that you can pull off, and it's good cold. It's good hot. Well, turkey's good cold as well, but I just I just prefer ham. I'm a ham kind of guy. All right, number two. I enjoy Thanksgiving leftovers more than first helpings. I'm gonna buy that. I enjoy Thanksgiving leftovers. I enjoy mixing uh, the different types of foods, uh, creating little sandwiches. And Thorny, gravy the second day is delicious. I don't care what you say. I like to put it on my on the mac and cheese my family makes. My family has like probably three different recipes on mac and cheese. Gravy on mac and cheese, delicious. You know what else is good? Would you guys believe that he's the skinny one of the two of us? <laughs> Potato chips and gravy, man. I'm telling you, just like, you know, my mom has some. Poutine, like just, you mean? Basically, no. you're talking about poutine. Well, not, I mean, yeah, I get, it. I mean, poutine, <laughs> poutine's with what, like fries and gravy, but like my mom just had like, you know, Lay's potato chips laying around and I was just dipping the, that into gravy. I love gravy. My wife never makes gravy. I hardly ever get any gravy until I go home. Yeah. Gravy second day is just fine by me. All right. But when you open that container and there's that like one inch layer of fat on top, come on now. Oh, come on. Just heat it up. Heat it up. <laughs> Great. And you know, here's how you heat it up. If you, if you don't know this, if you don't want to go the, you know, 
the classic, okay, you're just going to put it on the stove, on the saucepan. 60% power level on your microwave. That's the way to go. You are a gravy connoisseur. I love gravy. Country gravy, my favorite. Mm. (laughs) But you don't get country gravy on Thanksgiving. It's brown gravy. All right, here we go. Uh, Number three, Barcel Chote will have the team mentally ready. After listening to the presser today, I'm going to have to buy that. That was my biggest concern going to this game is that we were going to be too hyped on our own self after the Cat Grizz game. Uh, we didn't have our mentality that, you know, backs against the wall. Well, you know what? The backs are against the wall. This is win or go home, playoff football. Just like Jeff Choate said, I am ready for the team to go on Saturday. And I think Jeff Choate's going to have his players just chomping at the bit to just lay it to Albany, those great Danes. Last one, by yourself having a Christmas tree up by Thanksgiving. I'm going to buy that. I had mine up by Thanksgiving. It's kind of a tradition around our family. It was a tradition in my own household growing up. It's also a tradition now that uh, we have in the Foley household. And uh, we had it up. So, yeah, I'm buying that we have a Christmas tree up by Thanksgiving. Was that the last one? That was the last one. I only have four today. Okay. All right. Well. We split uh, pretty different along that one. (laughs) (laughs) Right on, buddy. Hey, we do have one golden koozie question. Why don't you read that for us, Ryan? All right. We do have a golden koozie question from Kyler Neal, who is the host of the Eagle Power Hour, I believe, which is Eastern Washington podcast. He's also one of the co-hosts of the FCS Nations podcast, which I listen to. Highly recommend. If you haven't listened to it, subscribe to it on iTunes. He asked us, Realistically, how good is MSU's chances to win versus top-tier playoff teams without a legit quarterback at the helm? Good question, Kyler. My first response is, clearly, top-tier quarterbacks don't mean you end up in the playoffs. hey oh. Anyway, uh, <laughs> um, it's a good question. I think right now, looking at the field, you look at James Madison, you look at North Dakota State, no other team outside of that really, I don't think the Bobcats, I phrased that horribly. I think the Bobcats have a good chance against any team of besides those two and and the right circumstances, of course, against North Dakota State, James Madison, you never know. But outside of that, I think the Bobcats can beat any other team on the field if they're playing at the level that they are capable of playing at. And I don't think having a legit quarterback, as you say, necessarily is a detriment when you're when you're just asking him to complete some key passes, move the chains a few times. If your run game's going like it has been, teams know we're going to run the ball. They know we're going to run the ball for four straight years. We're the sixth rushing team in the country regardless. So I think I think we're doing just fine, and I'm actually thinking Tucker Rovig is improving and is solidifying himself as a guy who we can rely on. That's my take on that. How about you, Foley? Wait a second, Thorny. Did Eastern make the playoffs? Uh, um, let me pull up Google. Can you hear that? I'm typing real furiously. No, they did not fully. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, that must suck for them. Um, yeah. <laughs> MSU. I mean, you said it perfectly. I don't really have much more to say. MSU has a chance to win against any top playoff team. And here's what it comes down to, in my opinion, is physicality. We don't need a top-tier quarterback. We need a game manager, a ball distributor, 
and someone who's not going to make a lot of mistakes. And you know what? Tukarovic's been just that, and he's getting better each and every week. Yes, we can play against the top-tier playoff teams. And yes, MSU would have a decent shot at winning each of those games. Well said. There you go, Kyler. Ugh, man, I <laughs> hate the Eagles, dude. I, just, I live over here in Spokane. They just bug the snot out of me, man. I'll one-up you on that. I'm a Rams fan near Seattle, so. And I am not a Seattle fan. I'm a Cincinnati Bengals fan. You know that. Well, you have no rivals because everyone beats you. Hey, we just won our first game last, last <laughs> Did week. Did the Bengals oh. win? Yeah. <laughs> we beat the Jets. It's awesome. Yes. Things are looking up in Cincinnati. <laughs> That's right. I had James Crowder starting on my fantasy team. He didn't do very good against the Bengals of all teams. So. Hey, if anybody's out there who knows about Skyline Chili, hit me up. If we have some Skyline Chili love, um, send me a comment on on Twitter or Facebook or on the board. Let's talk some Cincinnati food. Foley, I make a really good Cincinnati chili for Coney Dogs. Okay, explain to me what Cincinnati chili is. Cincinnati chili, it's it's like, uh, it's exactly like Skyline chili, but you just put it on a hot dog. No, you put it on your spaghetti is what you put it on. Mm, no. I mean, you can't. Cover it yes. with like shredded cheese that is fine as angel's hair is delicious. Yeah, it's the exact same concept, except it's on a hot dog. You never had a Coney dog? Oh, of course I have. That's exactly it's a, it's a Cincinnati like a skyline type chili on a hot dog. Yeah. With a strip of mustard and white onion and a piled high of finely shredded cheddar cheese, like you said. <laughs> <laughs> Thorny buy or sell mustard. Buy it. All kinds of mustard. Stone ground, brown mustard, spicy mustard. That's about all the kinds of mustard going all for his gump there. But yes, I love mustard. Are you a mayo guy? Yes, I think this is a, a good time to end the podcast. <laughs> um, before we end the podcast, I just want to give a sincere thank you to all the nice comments we've gotten. I mean, what you guys don't get to see is some of the stuff that uh, uh, Ryan and I get to um, read about it, uh, just via our uh, Gmail account. And we've had some nice uh, people reach out to us and just give us some really just like genuine thank you for uh, just doing what we do. And I just want to say, you know, that fuels the fire for Ryan and I, and it's just really appreciated. They all definitely double that sentiment. Like I, it's just great hearing that because honestly we do this because we love it. We don't do it because we're getting paid, which we aren't. <laughs> we, we don't do it for any other reason, except we love Bobcat football. We don't try and do any sort of hot takes to get clicks or likes or listens. We just do it because of the Bobcats, and it, it's it's good to hear that people just appreciate what we're doing because we're doing it for us, we're doing it for you, and we're doing it to for the Bobcats to to get any more exposure out there we can about our beloved Bobcats. So we appreciate all the all the feedback, and thank you guys. All right, Ryan, we do actually have one more Golden Koozie question. We do. Yeah, that was from a fan. Uh, he emailed us. His name is Sean Kusker. He lives in. Somewhere down south, if I remember right, uh, he was a great Falls boy. Um, so that's near and near to my heart. His dad was apparently a teacher there for 40 years over at Great Falls High. Did you ever have a Mr. Cusker when you were at Great Falls High? I'm one of those guys who I don't remember hardly any teachers I had, period. I just, they don't stick in my head. I'm sorry. <laughs> so maybe. Uh, <laughs> no well, idea. We, uh, 
I wanted to say, I just want to thank Sean first for sending us such an awesome email um, and, and just his service. He said he spent 25 years in the Army serving all around the world. And now, yep, he's down in Huntsville, Alabama. So thank you, Sean. Just thanks for the listen and just thanks for your kind words. And he did give us a golden koozie question. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. Okay, he says, my golden koozie question is, what do you think now after Choate's fourth full regular season about his theory that talented players can plug into almost any position and succeed? That is a hard question. I guess he's taken some criticism for it. He's taken some praise for it. I don't know exactly how I feel about his plug-and-play mentality. I like the fact that he rotates so many guys, but I don't know just about having so many guys play so many different positions. Like uh, Travis Johnson is an example. He is a a quarterback from Wildcat. He's a receiver, and he's also like excelling as a gunner right now on the punt team. So perhaps uh, going kind of old school, like just athletes, like don't step, put them in a box. Get them where get your best athletes on the field, regardless of position. So, I think I've actually kind of talked myself into thinking it is a good philosophy. What are, what are your thoughts? I think as it's positives and negatives. Um, and there's certainly some players where I feel a cho- has missed in positions. I mean, I mean, gosh, I mean, I'm a I'm a sixth grade math teacher. I'm not a football coach, and so I I'm not seeing what he sees at practice. You and I are just fans. We see from afar what we see from afar. Uh, but there's been some players where like, well, you know, is that his best position? You know, Troy Anderson comes to mind. Um, there's certain certain tight ends. Jacob Hadley, you know, is a tight end now. Should he have been there all along? Maybe so. So, but then you bring up some good points on like Travis Johnson. And then I, I mean, sure, we could go down the line. But uh, I don't know if I have a definitive answer for that. I tend to lean more on the I don't like the plug and play as much as maybe Jeff Cho does. I feel like more so that like, you know, maybe Troy Anderson should have been playing linebacker for the last four years, you know, and see what we could have, or excuse me, the last three years. I don't know. I'm a little bit indifferent on it, but I tend to lean more towards the put the guy in the best position for him in the best position for the team. Yeah, it's a really interesting question. And thanks, Sean, for the question. Like, I, it's hard. It's really hard to gauge because there's success stories and there's also some not so success stories, as you say. I think you'd have to really put some thought into it to see if we've had more success or not. But I mean, obviously, switching players out from high school has worked out well. But once they get to the team, they switch positions. Eh, I don't know. I'll probably <laughs> lean towards thinking it's a good thing, you're leaning towards thinking it's a bad game thing, but I'm not very convinced either way, really. It's, it's kind of a, uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> well, good job, Sean. You got us befuddled over here. <laughs> that is maybe a good talking point for someone who is more qualified than Ryan and I to talk about football. <laughs> well, what do you think? That sounds like a good golden koozie question winner. Absolutely. Well done, Sean. Good job. Right. Sean, I will get that into the mail and I'll send it all the way down to Alabama. As always, we appreciate all the Golden Koozie love we get on Twitter. The hashtag Golden Koozie movement has been surprisingly cool. Uh, it's been a real, I don't know, just enjoyment. Every time I get to see one of those pop up on <laughs> on the 
on the Twitter machine and just how much people enjoy those golden koozies. That's pretty cool. I'm taking some credit here for drinking all these fancy beers. What about all these tweets that go out before the game about people drinking other golden koozies and taking pictures? Clearly, that's had an effect on the team's performance. <laughs> no doubt. Keep them coming. Keep them coming. Yeah, if you got one, tweet a picture out. Keep it coming, man. This is uh, it's clearly it's, it's uh, willing the team to victory. Hashtag <laughs> golden koozie. <laughs> All right, guys. I think that does it for this episode. We rambled a lot longer than I thought we would. Pretty common. That's what always happens with us. If you haven't already, if you listen to us on iTunes or Stitcher or any podcast platform, please give us a subscribe and a review. Uh, like you said, it just kind of it just makes us feel good and it gives us affirmation that we're doing a good job and. We just like hearing that we're doing a good job. Who doesn't? So <laughs> follow us uh, on Twitter at rrcatcast, where I exclusively, all I do is tweet podcast stuff or talk podcast stuff. Nothing else. Literally, that's all that account exists for. You won't find anything else but Bobcat news on that account. You can find us on the bobcatnation.com under our recurring thread, rrcatcast. If you didn't know, I guess it's a good time to, Mention this if you listen to this and don't go on the board or never connect to the dots. I am Celtic Cat. He is Common Cat on the Bobcat message board. And as Ryan just alluded to, thanks again for listening. And we just appreciate all the feedback. And let's end this with an emphatic playoff version of Go Cats. Go Cats.